In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Are you pregnant, thinking about becoming pregnant, or trying to become pregnant and dealing with anxiety? Or did you experience anxiety in pregnancy? Perhaps it was anxiety due to the physical symptoms, or because you arrived at pregnancy after experiencing huge reproductive trauma with lots of worry around conception or fertility, or because for whatever reason, the hormones in pregnancy just drove you into fight or flight mode. Maybe because we're told it's supposed to be the happiest time in our life, you thought you would feel amazing and excited and at ease, and instead you were incredibly on edge, which is so normal and just not widely discussed. This episode where we explore perinatal anxiety is for you. I am joined by Michelle Flynn, perinatal psychotherapist and founder of Oncree Bioke Psychotherapy. I will include the link to her site in the show notes. Michelle has a wonderful, gentle way about her and about exploring this topic, and I hope that it's both comforting and useful and, of course, validating for anyone either going through this right now or if you have gone through this in the past. Thank you so much for listening and take care. Michelle, thank you so much for joining me on Owning It, the Anxiety podcast. Um, it's a pleasure to have an expert such as yourself here. And I think this is going to be a very necessary conversation today. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much, Caroline. And um, it's a pleasure. I'm delighted that you reached out to me because what you brought to me was a topic that is really necessary and something that I haven't really delved into. So you are a perinatal psychotherapist. Yeah, that's right, Karen, a perinatal psychotherapist. My core training is in humanistic and integrative psychotherapy. Um, and I have mainly worked sort of in the area of trauma and then sort of following my own experience of um, mood and anxiety disorders during pregnancy and postnatally, I then um, did additional training in perinatal mental health and also in infant mental health. And I now kind of specialize in supporting mums and dads and infants um sort of from i mean really from conception um right through pregnancy birth and up to a, a year is kind of what defines perinatal uh, mental health in the podcast before i've shared a lot about my own experience postnatally 
um, my postnatal anxiety, bit of postnatal depression as a result of being so anxious after birth. But what I would really love to focus on here, which is something that I haven't delved into, is the kind of beforehand. So the anti part, the peri part. And I think there's a lot of confusion there because I know when I asked on Instagram for people to tell me if they've experienced perinatal, everyone was talking very much about um, after giving birth. So let's just clarify that to begin with. What do we mean when we talk about perinatal or antenatal? Yeah, so I think so the term perinatal, I think really to be clear about that, what that covers is it kind of covers any time from, like I said, it's from conception and right through pregnancy and then one year postnatal. So it's that whole period really around um, reproduction, you know, and it can actually even begin, you know, for those who are on the their own fertility fertility journey, you know, IVF, trying to get pregnant, you know, can happen kind of as early as that. And um, so, you know, we talk a lot about, um, you know, reproductive trauma and what that means. And really that's about kind of any kind of, um, trauma that can happen you know at, at any stage of the reproductive journey and it can happen for I mean we, we focus a lot on maternal mental health but it can also affect dads and there's a growing body of research now to to really understand that there's an impact also on dad's mental health during this time so when we talk about postnatal anxiety really what we're talking about is after the baby is born but we know that anxiety can happen anytime and um, during pregnancy and I, it kind of tends to peak around the end of the second trimester and kind of the start of the third trimester that's when we see it kind of most often but for me you know my own personal experience it kind of happened and um, really from the moment I, I I found out that I was pregnant so it can happen at any stage. I have friends who experienced a lot of prenatal depression um, and for them it was very unexpected because they were so happy about being pregnant and you know they had planned it and it was it seemed from what they told me to be very much a physiological thing that they're whatever was going on hormonally they just were at a very low ebb for the duration of their pregnancy and then for them it lifted when they had the baby and so do you see links between the sort of prenatal perinatal anxiety and depression yeah, I mean, it's so I suppose just just to clarify, so they are, I mean, there is a lot of linkages between um, anxiety and depression during the perinatal period, and um, they can often go hand in hand, but they don't necessarily have to. So, you know, many of the women that I work with might be experiencing um, anxiety, but not necessarily feeling, feeling depressed or having that very low mood, the lack of motivation, you know, the, the constant crying, the tearfulness, you know, that that's not necessarily a component of it. And um, what is a little bit more prevalent, though, is that, um, you know, uh, birthing people or women who are experiencing um, postnatal depression do tend to be more anxious. And I guess that's a result of the, the low the low mood and the and the impact of that. But the two things, I mean, they can occur together, but they don't necessarily have to occur together or overlap. And, you know, I think what we need to consider here is that during pregnancy, there's a huge change in our hormone levels. You know, there's increased estrogen, progesterone, and all of that can kind of, you know, wreak, wreak havoc on our um, on our nervous system and on our mood. And um, there's doubling in, in, in our blood volume. There's so many physiological changes that happen that can impact our mood. And sometimes when, you know, after the birth and there's that kind of drop, 
in those hormones, sometimes that can lift. And then for other women, the drop in hormones can actually be kind of what what triggers the the changes in the mood. So I guess it's, you know, it, it's very different for, for everybody. And also there's a, you know, there's a number of predisposing factors as well that are going to have an impact. So things like, you know, you know, whether or not you've had a mood and anxiety disorder prior to becoming pregnancy, like depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder, OCD, and any of those, you know, that that's going to be something to be mindful of. And that can that can be a predisposing factor. And there can also be things like, you know, social factors, you know, like, you know, during the pandemic, there was a huge rise in the number of women presenting with perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. Um, there's going to be things like, you know, um, whether or not you've had uh, reproductive trauma in the past. So, for example, have you had loss? You know, have you gone through the IVF journey? Have you um, had a baby maybe in the ICU or, you know, in, in NICU? Um, you know, all, all, all of these things are going to have a huge impact on, on how you feel during pregnancy. It's yeah, it seems like there's a lot of different variables and I think it might be helpful for for listeners if we can tease apart a little bit and maybe start with understanding just say someone who is not presenting with, you know, coming to the table with existing trauma, whether it was, you know, IVF or they're maybe not a naturally anxious person, you know, or a person who tends towards worry Um, and let's just focus on what happens from a physiological level then, because I think that can really surprise people they feel like they should be able to think their way out of it um because it's you know who they are as a person but then like you say there's so much going on physically is it most common that people experience this kind of anxiety because of such a huge change in their body physically or is it more common that it's I don't it's really hard to phrase this because I feel like you know if you if you told someone they were pregnant and they're about to have a baby and they they actually weren't pregnant they would go through all the anxiety of will the baby be okay will I be okay you know what what if this happens I hope we carry through to 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 live birth that all that anxiety would be there from a cognitive perspective okay but then you add in the actual physiological what's happening in the body and that is something you can't think your way out of necessarily I mean in my own experience of anxiety in general knowing something knowing why you're anxious knowing okay well yeah this makes sense I'm worried about you know this something that matters a lot to me if your body is pumping stress hormones and really low on for whatever reason you know the happy hormones it's going to affect you I'm, I'm not explaining this very well but I'm trying to tease apart the cognitive from the physiological I suppose yeah, yeah, no, no, I, I get you, Caroline. I mean, I think what I'm kind of hearing you saying is that, you know, like anxiety is a normal part of, you know, yeah. <laughs> becoming pregnant. You know, the minute you find out you have, you, you know, you weigh on that stick and you get the, the positive result. I mean, anxiety is a normal part and anxiety is not the enemy anxiety is not necessarily a bad thing you know we need to have an increase in kind of awareness and hypervigilance you know that's what gets us to our antenatal appointments that's what you know helps us to eat the right food during pregnancy to get the sleep that we need there has to be a, a kind of a level of of anxiety and a level of um cautiousness you know that that's and that's that's totally appropriate and i think it's you know um it, it only becomes problematic when that anxiety is 
impacting on your day-to-day when it's excessive you know and what that looks like then is like what you're talking about there's the cognitive part of that there's the racing thoughts there's that really feeling of dread that something terrible is going to happen you know it's irritability it's um you know changes in sleep changes in you know um in in appetite you know it's the the physical sensations of that which is the the dizziness the hot flushes the heart palpitations you know and so it's it's like when it kind of becomes next level and unmanageable and debilitating you know that's when we would say things are starting to to deteriorate and when maybe more help is needed um but I guess like in terms of the what you're talking about what happens kind of on a physiological level I think it's you know the the dip in hormones or the increase in hormones depending on whether you're pre or, or postnatal and um, you know that, that that is going to have an overall effect on on our mood and I think some people you know and then we bring in thyroid issues and and, and all of that some people are going to respond differently to that but I think a big part of it is actually you know what's happening externally and in the external world for that person so like I said things like lack of support you know previous trauma and financial situation all of those things externally are going to have a big impact um, on that person's experience. I'm kind of starting to see there's like a few different verticals or spokes on a wheel that can come together and maybe one of them will apply to you and maybe two of them will apply to you like the maybe your physiological makeup will be the driver of anxiety for you because that's just the way your body functions or maybe for you it will be because you're coming to it with a a past trauma or maybe it's the pressures of the external pressures of well this is supposed to be the happiest time in your life and well this is what you wanted are you not the happiest you've ever been are you not you know why are you so worried why do you feel anxious why do you feel down when this is what you've wanted and you know all of that can just exacerbate more anxiety and I think I suppose a good place to to start is 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 to allow people and allow women and give them the permission to go into this knowing that it's okay to feel anxious throughout it it doesn't have to detract from your joy or excitement or happiness or it doesn't have to negate it and um, but we really do in society respond to pregnancy as though it is can only be a really happy positive thing and then for someone then to feel anything other than that it can be really jarring and then they can start to blame themselves and then that kind of perpetuates more anxiety so I think the maybe where we have power in this conversation is to work on the wider conversation part around pregnancy and even I mean while I want to focus on before the baby comes in this episode for me when it was you know very much after the baby came and everyone was like oh my god is this the happiest you've ever been and I was like uh no mm-hmm. I am out of my mind with yeah. stress, with anxiety I felt like what is wrong with me what kind of yeah. monster am I am I mm-hmm. broken mm-hmm. and I know for my friends who were almost ashamed to say well one mm-hmm. friend in particular who struggled so much with depression in her pregnancy who had never experienced depression before she'd never even told anyone because she was so worried of how she would come across to the rest of the world when and then you start to think of oh my god all these people who would do anything to be pregnant and here mm-hmm. I am pregnant and I feel depressed mm-hmm. that is so much pressure mm-hmm. so the society element the how we should be feeling how we should be thinking what it should look like would you say is one of the biggest drivers? Yeah, absolutely, Caroline. And I think you actually pointed out some really important bits there. Firstly, I just want to go back, track a little bit to what you were saying earlier. 
that, you know, that there is, you know, some people do have a more anxious personality type, you know, they might have a disposition to being kind of that kind of worrier, you know, the more, um, and, you know, that that definitely plays a role in it. And you also touched on, you know, trauma, you know, we know that people who have experienced trauma and whether that's the, the big kind of significant big T traumas, as we call them, or even the smaller little T traumas, you know, the relational traumas. Um, and that could be something like, you know, um, even as, as far back as kind of their own parents' reproductive story, you know, maybe you had a parent who went through loss or miscarriage and all of that gets kind of re-triggered again you know, during, during pregnancy, during, during that time. So I suppose there, just to go back to that point, there is a number of factors that play into whether somebody is going to be at increased risk of experiencing um, a perinatal mood and and anxiety disorder or not. Um, And then the other bit that you talked about there, I think is really, really important is absolutely, I think there is so much pressure now on women, on families, on dads, about how you should feel after you have a have a baby or when you know, you're expecting the baby or when you're expecting a baby absolutely that you know that you should be overjoyed that this is a blessing and you know and you know and it kind of that you know it, it's really that kind of minimizing and that toxic positivity a lot that we see and I think that that does bring a lot of shame then and it does um, interfere I think with with women being able to say look actually this doesn't feel good I feel like crap I'm worried out of my mind I'm terrified you know this feels too much because they are they're afraid to say it they're afraid that there's going to be a backlash that they're not grateful or appreciative or you know isn't this what you wanted and I think you know often what I see a lot in my work is often you know uh, parents that have gone through the IVF journey you know that they've had fertility struggles or you know um baby loss and then you know they're they're pregnant again and they're absolutely racked with fear and that makes sense that makes complete sense given what they've gone through and what they're hearing is you know but isn't this great now you've got what you wanted you know you're pregnant and and that can be so invalidating for somebody who is in complete internal turmoil and worried out of their mind you know not to be able to say no actually this is how I'm feeling and you know Caroline and um, you know from from your work you know one of the one of the quickest ways to to tame anxiety to get it under control is to name it to validate it to give it space and I think often women are not given that permission they're, they're not allowed to name it um, and and that's a problem it's a really big problem I have a friend who went through, like so many women do, exactly what you've described there, where she'd gone through a loss and she got pregnant via IVF. And a lot of people who weren't talking to her every day were saying things like, oh, that's great now. You don't have to worry now. Well, what are you, why are you still worrying about? Like you're pregnant now. And she was like rattling with anxiety from the moment she got that positive result right up until she gave birth and after of course and what what I assumed would happen was that the longer she was pregnant and the more confirmation that things were going well and looking okay the more the anxiety would settle for her and actually the opposite happened because the more she went into it the more real it became the more for in her mind 
the higher the stakes went because now she was seeing an you know a baby on a on a on a scan she was hearing a heartbeat now it was something really tangible and it got you know she was now she knew it was a girl or she knew it was um she started to be able to put names in her head and clothes and and plan the room and even though it was becoming more and more likely that this would all go really well her anxiety was driving higher and higher because she got more increasingly frightened of losing what what now felt so real to her and I'm not saying that it's not real when it's in those first few days and weeks but it was just an it was it was a learning curve for me to see her anxiety go through the roof when I thought it would settle for her um and it really peaked after the baby was here and I think what can happen for so many women is they're holding their breath until the baby is there and then when the baby comes some little space might open up where all of the anxiety and worry from all of the whether you know for someone who's been trying and going through issues comes rushing to the surface at the time that's in quotation marks supposed to be the happiest time in your life suddenly you're trying to process all of that grief and loss and and the the juxtaposition of grief at a time when you feel joy and then you're wrecked and exhausted and um but for me because she's my best friend you know we had so many conversations throughout her pregnancy where I was you know learning about what is actually helpful to say and what isn't and and I really you know want because I hadn't been through it myself I, I was like putting my hands up saying I want to support you but you know I need you to tell me what is helpful or not and I learned a lot about things like oh well you're pregnant now so it's okay like what are you still worried about like you know your fertility journey has your 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 difficulty has ended now so that's let's just box that off no it's not something you ever let go of and I from people that I've known there's no anxiety in the pregnancy phase like the anxiety of coming to it with having already had loss and being high risk and having tried for so long because you almost can't let yourself feel excited or joy just it's like a protective mechanism and I think there definitely needs to be a conversation around when someone does get if they do get pregnant um not it not being a case of okay let's pop the champagne now because they're not necessarily my friend didn't really want to do a baby shower she didn't want to allow herself to start celebrating because she was terrified out of her mind and I think that's so commonly experienced yet it's people who maybe haven't gone through it myself included would could be so quick to be like okay we can relax now you're pregnant and it's all looking good and all signs are pointing towards everything working out here and they're still reeling with anxiety the whole way through and afterwards where can things change what supports are needed there what supports are lacking there for that person who's gone through all that reproductive trauma like you say yeah because I think you know I think you've hit the nail on the head there it's like that that person is in survival mode you know that okay logically they might know that the threat is gone you know they're pregnant now things are pointing in the right direction but, you know, their body doesn't know that. Physiologically, they are still in fight, um, fight, flight, freeze. You know, they're still in their sympathetic 
um, responses to that situation. They don't know yet that they're safe. Their body doesn't know yet that they are safe. You know, um, so, you know, to your question, it's like, you know, I think it's it's about, I think we definitely need increased awareness around reproductive trauma. I think it's something that's not talked about. I think it's something that that's not known. I think the narrative around motherhood and getting pregnant is all around kind of, you know, be positive. You know, I I what I, I also run some um infant massage um groups and you know, I even, you know, as I was doing that training, there's a real sense of, you know, let's just tell the the, the mothers about the, the good things. Let's keep it positive. And obviously that is really important, but we need to also, you know, help people to understand that pregnancy, that the fertility journey, it isn't always straightforward. You know, there is times when um, it can be hard, it can be difficult, it can be traumatic. And I think, if you find yourself in that place where you are absolutely petrified, where you have gone through uh, reproductive trauma, you know, you can it can feel incredibly lonely because the expectation is, okay, I should feel a certain way and I don't, I'm actually petrified. So I think the more awareness that we have around that, I think is going to make a really big difference. Um, was there another part to that question, Caroline? Like, not really <laughs> it was more just another very long-winded thought around acknowledging the anxiety that can stay there the whole way through and I almost feel like with my friend we kind of said let's stop trying to get you to a point where you don't feel anxious in pregnancy because that's maybe too unreachable for you right now maybe just say this of course you're feeling anxious because of what you've been through this matters so much to you your body is trying so hard to protect you from something that to a large extent is kind of out of your hands you're leaving it up to nature you're doing everything you can but just maybe reframe the anxiety as being something that you can have beside you the whole way through and all at once is the best for you it's not out to get you and I think in all conversations about anxiety that's really helpful but you don't have to get to a point in pregnancy whether you're coming at it from a a place of having experienced trauma or because we think pregnancy should be a joyous time you know sometimes it's really freeing to be like I don't have to love this I can't mm-hmm. can just be in survival mode through pregnancy I don't have to subscribe to what the rest of the world tells me it should look like or be like I don't have to look back on this fondly in years to come I don't have to have a photo shoot with my bump in the daisies in a meadow I mean there's very few people I know who loved pregnancy or felt really at ease and for some people and it's amazing for some people it's the best they've ever felt their their stress hormones just dissolve and mm-hmm. they feel so at ease and but that's probably would you say more the minority yeah no I think it's definitely more common than we know you know I mean we know that kind of six percent of pregnant women and ten percent of postpartum women experience anxiety okay so this is you know only six during pregnancy but that's what we know of but remember the research is still quite young on this I mean I think even if you check the HSE website and you put in perinatal mood and anxiety disorders you'll get postnatal depression you know so it's still kind of in its infancy in terms of kind of what we what we know about this okay so and but I think you're right I think I mean and I suppose just to be really clear you know anxiety is an is a very common part of the reproductive journey you know and but you know 
just to go back to your point that you know when it is debilitating when it is causing an impact on your well-being and on your your baby's well-being you know it is treatable you know there is a lot of different treatment options available so while yes absolutely you know and um, a lot of women go through pregnancy in survival mode and just holding their breath and hoping for the best but at the same time you know there there is kind of that that what we call I mean you hear a lot oh you know it's of course, you're going to be nervous when you have a new baby. Of course, things are going to feel too much. Of course, you're going to be overwhelmed and not sleeping and all of those things. But at the same time, while it is really, really common to feel anxious, it's also not normal to be having intrusive thoughts or constant worry or, you know, um, not able to do the day-to-day -day things that you would normally do, you know, or having an impact on your mood that kind of stops you getting out of bed in the morning or doing the things that you want to do, you know. So it was just to say that it is, it is treatable, you know, and there is there is so many different um, options out there. So I think the first thing really for people is acknowledging it, is acknowledging it. But I think you're, you're right, Caroline, to say, you know, it, it's there is, it's like, we don't need to rush anybody out of anxiety, you know, that we can't think our way into feeling better because this is at a, a physiological level that, you know, that your friend, that this person is experiencing this kind of emotion and they are in survival mode, you know, that they are, that they can see danger and feel danger everywhere. And it's almost like, you know, I think it's just being there and validating that for them and, and checking in what they what they might need from you in that moment. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I think as well, you know, we have to kind of talk about if someone does acknowledge, okay, I'm at the point where I realize that it's, okay, yes, anxiety is part of it, but this is maybe a bit excessive mm -hmm. and you mentioned mm -hmm. intrusive thoughts or I'm not functioning, I'm not getting through the day or I'm finding myself down major rabbit holes of mm -hmm. threads and forums online, reading mm -hmm. more confirmation bias of how things can go terribly wrong and I'm spiraling. And apart from talking to a friend and the friend might not be well equipped to, I mean, obviously, you know, your closest friends want nothing but the best for you, but 
if they haven't been through it, they might not get it. Well, where can someone turn to if they are if they're at that point of realizing they need some some help? Because we say, oh, there's not enough supports out there. You're saying there's many things that you can do. Where should someone go? Yeah, so there's a number of different treatment options. And I would always say kind of the first stop, you know, if you're feeling that way, is to talk to your health provider, you know. So talk to the um the hospital, talk to the midwives, talk to your GP, let them know. And that can be really hard to do. That can be easier said than done, you know, for all the reasons that we've explained about, you know, the shame, the stigma, which is still very much there, that kind of, and there's a loss there that comes with admitting, you know, that this isn't that magical experience that I expected this to be. I don't feel the way I hoped. So there's loss there as well, you know, that can be hard to, hard to get your head around. But I would say the first thing is you know is to talk to somebody about it talk to a healthcare provider about it because they all have a team or a unit dedicated to this that maybe we don't realize is there absolutely absolutely they do and I mean some of the in you know some countries are better than others in terms of being you know people being able to actually access those supports and obviously then you know um some people are going to be more an advantage if they can kind of pay privately for that kind of support as well. Um, but I would always say, yeah, the first stop is go to your your primary um, your primary care. And don't, you know, and what I would always say as well is, you know, it might be that you're not heard the first time, you know. So really this takes advocating for yourself. And if you feel you can't do that on your own, you know, bringing a partner or bring a friend or somebody with you that can help say, look, I something is not right you know and it's like this is your experience so no matter what you know if you're not feeling right you're not feeling right you know so being really able to to name that and advocate yourself is so important and that can be really really hard and um, and then you know there's lots of different options I mean there is talking therapy which we know makes a huge impact there's the likes of cognitive behavioral therapy particularly if you are having that kind of um you know postpartum panic disorder where you're having kind of those constant panic attacks um, and that just you know the 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 that's the heart palpitations not feel, you know feeling like you're going to pass out you know the tingling in the fingers and and toes the numbness the dizziness you know that that's you know to, what this is a good example of saying yes it's okay to be anxious during pregnancy but if you're having repeated panic attacks during pregnancy you know that's not mm -hmm. that's not okay that's when you need to be really reaching out and um, you know having these kind of debilitating and constant intrusive thoughts you know this and that can be images that can be sounds that can be anything at all really that this kind of um you know um that they're anxious in nature you know and they're they're repetitive and they're you know they're really upsetting nobody should have to be living with that all the time so something like cognitive behavioral therapy is really really good for intrusive thoughts and also for you know um if it is a little bit more on the ocd side when we're having kind of the obsession which is the intrusive thought or the repetitive image followed by a compulsion which is you know doing a certain ritual or behavior over and over again to kind of um to curb the fear you know so that's when you really and that's so that's the talking therapies you know for something like where it's more on kind of the, the trauma side something like emdr and um, can be a really effective effective treatment as well and then you know I'm, I'm not a psychiatrist but there are you know so I, I don't want to talk too much about the the medications that are available for the perinatal period but you know it might be that um 
that that medication is also needed and is, is can be really useful. So, you know, what I would say is perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, they're temporary and they're treatable, you know. So I just really would encourage anybody who is in any way worried about, you know, themselves or their partner or a friend, you know, to 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 get the help that they need because they deserve it. Yeah. They really, really do. Uh, even when it comes to the physical physical stuff for me, you know, I had... I was so ill in my pregnancy, um, like vomiting every day. Um, but I, I apparently I wasn't excessive enough to be diagnosed. You know, remember being like feeling that, oh, well, this is just part of it. You have to just you have to just deal with it and suffer. And I was so ill and I was crying every day because I was like, I feel so bad. I don't I don't even know how I can stand up. And it was like, I remember when I went to my consultant and I was like, I've been feeling so bad. And I was up all night with with reflux. And he was like, Caroline you know, there's things we can give you for this. You don't, you don't have to be a martyr and suffer just because, oh, well, aren't you so fortunate to be pregnant? You should be like completely strung out, miserable with symptoms this whole time. There are things we can do. You don't have to, there are options out there. You don't have to suffer in silence, whether it's emotional or physical or whatever. And for me, I didn't think I, like, I didn't think I was allowed to, you know, when I got medication for the sickness or when I took stuff for the reflux and I felt better, I was like, oh my God, like I didn't, I didn't know that I could do this and it sounds so weird to say that but I thought I had to just kind of just get on with it because that's just so what we're told about pregnancy just get on with it it's not a sickness you're just pregnant get on with it another thing we haven't really touched on is the anxiety in that pregnancy stage that can come about as a result of like feeling physically woeful and for me when I think about my my perinatal versus postnatal experience I always describe the anxiety as really only hitting me almost 24 hours after my baby was born like a freight train because I thought that by the time I had the baby that was the finish line because I was so sick and so physically just miserable in pregnancy but so much the anxiety I felt in pregnancy was not about like I almost didn't have time there was no space in my mind to worry about what could go wrong with the baby or because I was just trying to get through the day with the physical symptoms I I was on crutches for um pelvic girdle pain I was vomiting all the time I was in such survivor mode that there was there was no room for rumination I couldn't catastrophize because I was just in it um and for a lot of people I mean I have done other episodes just on dealing with you know the getting sick element which is a whole phobia that people have so sometimes the anxiety can come about as a result of you know if you're being worn down by physical symptoms which can come with pregnancy that's going to have an effect on your mood, obviously. Like no one is in good form when they have a vomiting bug. You can't be expected to be in good form when you're throwing up every day. Um, and then there's that pressure of, oh, well, it's just sickness because of pregnancy. I should still be getting up and going into work and being fine and getting on with it. So is that something you see a lot of as well? Then like anxiety and depression as a result of just feeling so physically cracked? Yeah, absolutely. And our bodies go through so much when we are pregnant. And I think, you know, the you know what you talked about there you know that that's so so hard on your body to be vomiting all the time and that can for some people and I think you've talked about this before Caroline in terms of kind of your own um fear around vomiting I mean that can in and of itself put you into fight or flight mode you know that can your nervous system can think that you are in danger when you are constantly 
feeling sick, when you're nauseous, when you're vomiting, you know, when you're sleep deprived, you know, sleep is when we know one of the biggest catalysts for anxiety or lack of sleep, you know, so straight away, then you're in your threat response, you know, you're in the survival mode. And that's going to just elevate your anxiety. So, um, yeah, so absolutely I think and and physical pain physical pain can be so um so difficult because um it, there is that narrative around well you know you're pregnant these things happen you know get on with it and kind of even that lack of validation around your experience can kind of um peak the anxiety so um yeah I'm not surprised I'm not surprised that you are feeling run down you know that you kind of um you're in survival mode Caroline I think there needs to be more awareness of, you know, all this what to expect when you're expecting is so much about today it's the size of an orange and and today you might have ligament pain. And there's very little in my experience around in, in the traditional supports that are there or the systems that are there to help guide you through pregnancy and beyond about what to expect emotionally. And it's almost a fear of even saying, like, I remember when I was on my day two in the hospital and, and nurses were coming in and they were like now has anyone told you that you might feel a bit out of sorts tonight and I was like no what what's happening tonight and it was mm-hmm. the, the whole you know the day three or something the second night syndrome they call yeah, it yeah the baby I was like, no and, and I felt like so I I know I felt so much worse because I went in thinking I'm supposed to be in a hundred percent bliss mode here mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. pregnancy I'm supposed to just be beaming from ear to ear there's not enough literature or information around the emotional side that is not so pretty as part of you know growing your family it's so much focus on the physical like how to bathe the baby I'm like okay Mm -hmm, I can mm -hmm. can well YouTube that when the time comes I'd rather know that for me to be like having a panic attack after you know is is that is that just because my body is just processing all the hormones that have just left my body or what like I was being in the dark about that makes it 10 times worse I'm thinking oh my god am I on my own in this whether it's before pregnancy or during pregnancy or after pregnancy. So I don't know what power we have there in this conversation, but hopefully just to normalize a lot of it would be good. So I went to Instagram and I I wanted to get a, a sense on people's experience. And I asked them, had they experienced anxiety or depression in that uh, prenatal phase? So, you know, mm-hmm. conception up to giving birth. 62% people said yes. Okay. Does that surprise you? Um, no, it, it really it doesn't surprise me at all, Caroline, but I guess I'm really, um, you know, I'm really glad to see that people are able to, to to name that for themselves and to acknowledge that they went through that and that something wasn't right. I have so many, I ask people to just share their, um, a little bit about what, you know, what they went through. So I'll just maybe run through a few of them and you, we can comment on them if it, if it feels, um, necessary but this is I suppose just more to, to, to let listeners know that this is what some people have experienced and they're not um they're not alone in what they feel yeah someone's saying I, I was pregnant after parental loss as well as miscarriages it was really tough and there was very little supports and that's mm-hmm. that's a whole other layer of of trauma yeah. that you're arriving at it with yeah. and yeah. someone else the intrusive thoughts were so real and scary the anxiety would put me off ever being pregnant again and that's mm-hmm. up again and again is that having been sort of blindsided by the anxiety that it would actually put them off trying for another baby and that's really that's really sad because maybe it is what they want if they felt that there was support there to help them through it 
Um, yeah, and can, can I just speak to that yeah. for a minute, Caroline? Because I think I think that intrusive thoughts are so common. I think we have to remember that they're a kind of you know that they they're anxious in nature, but they're there to kind of they're there as a kind of a protection. Okay, they're they're it's like when the brain kind of gets it wrong. You know, it's and I think sometimes because they can be so graphic, they can be so terrifying, so scary. You know, sometimes they can even be sexual in nature, so there can be some shame around them. They can be really really hard for somebody to say out loud these are the thoughts I'm having you know for lots of reasons for fear that people will think that they are you know unfit or that they don't care about their baby or that they're going to hurt their baby in some way but I want to be really really clear that you know anxious thoughts intrusive thoughts are not delusional that there's a real difference there you know and that they are anxiety you know that they are an anxious in nature so they come from a kind of a protective place a kind of a desire in the in the parent and they can happen to men and women to protect the baby to keep them safe you know um and there there is a lot of ways to support and help people who are experiencing intrusive thoughts so you know i really encourage somebody if they if they are in that place it doesn't mean they're a bad mom it doesn't mean they're a bad dad it does not mean for one second there is no evidence to suggest that they will act on those thoughts so i just want to be really clear yeah. about that oh it's really um, and i had yeah. i had intrusive thoughts um not in pregnancy but afterwards um, uh-huh. and only for having read a book that really helped me understand how and I didn't I didn't I didn't seek out the book but in the book it was talking about how it's actually sort of a necessary part of becoming a mother where your brain has to throw up these really you know terrifying images to get you into that mindset of protection and letting your mind kind of visualize what could go wrong or what could happen to ensure that you make sure it doesn't happen and that's so jarring because you're all over the place hormonally and you think it's coming from you and but had I not read that I would have been a lot more worried and then they did settle down as my own hormones settled down um something someone says pna was awful worried about everything and I couldn't sleep for the first four months of pregnancy cbt helped a lot yeah total panic with every new phase I feel I can't adjust quick enough to the changes um I feel it was driven someone saying my anxiety in pregnancy was driven due to becoming a first-time mom in COVID times and that Mm -hmm. is another I mean I think we'll we'll see the effects of that emerge as time goes on I don't think I really processed how much of I was alone like I remember sobbing my eyes out pregnant being so sick and all I wanted was my mom to be here with me and she lives yeah. down in Dingle and because of the restrictions on the other side of the country mm-hmm. for anyone who doesn't know Dingle um she couldn't be with me and you know and it was just get again get on with this this is what the you know people are going through worse deal with it and then you know to have the baby and then I was alone as so many women were giving birth and so and I was alone up until I had to push basically and that was not normal and and then as soon as I gave birth an hour later my husband was sent home and again that is not what someone should have to experience and I to this day just say oh well that was just the restrictions at the time and you know you just had to get on with it and that has to impact your experience um, of course, of course, so much like social isolation, you know, the the loss of control, the lack of control, the normal supports that are in, in place just gone yeah total yeah. health anxiety about something happening mm-hmm. to the kids or me I couldn't shake it this is all in pregnancy Absolutely, um, yeah. my yeah. son was born after we lost his big baby sister I was riddled with anxiety in pregnancy and after like that's that's the kind of thing that it would be really probably you'd really recommend talking to a professional 
yeah, I mean, absolutely. And again, it's, you know, just like a normal level of anxiety. Like I said, it, it, it is it is okay and it is common and it is it is part of becoming a new mom or a new dad. But it's like, you know, if you are constantly checking the baby is breathing, for example, you know, you're keeping yourself awake all night, you know, with your hand on the baby's belly to see, you know, are they breathing? Are they not breathing? You know, if you are being kind of jolted awake or constantly, you know, um, alerted by these kind of these thoughts of something terrible is going to happen to your baby if you're carrying around a sense of dread like something really bad is going to happen you know that that's not that's not okay and there, there is there is help there um and I think you know just just going back to your listening you know, when you've gone through a loss and the pain of that you know it, and then you have a, a, a new baby you know it's not surprising there's going to be some feelings of anxiety but it's about sort of you know um noticing that when when that has gone to a level that is just unmanageable you know it's the constant checking it's the hyper vigilance it's the flight or fight it's being you know and um, it's being on 100 of the time that's kind of the way that i would describe it yeah. you know that that's that that's nobody has to to live like that someone else said i actually really did experience this but i only realized it very recently and having had some spotting in pregnancy made me afraid to do anything I barely moved or left the house mm -hmm. that's really yeah. really hard to deal with another person the system let me down badly that breaks my heart yeah yeah and I think that that is really common Carolyn because while I say there is a lot of supports out there you know like everything in women's health we are still really catching up I can only speak to the the Irish system but we really really are um, and you know and certainly during the pandemic I think a lot of uh, perinatal mood and anxiety disorders were missed and then there's that other thing about you know that what is normal you know that kind of well everybody feels anxious during pregnancy or everybody feels anxious postpartum so you know people not being able to say look this is not this is not right I'm not feeling good um, and I think sorry just to go back to what you said a few minutes Car Caroline as well about you know the, the narrative around motherhood and becoming a new mom and how it should be I think can really stop people being able to to name their real experience and I think the more conversations we we have about it and you said something really important earlier about you know all the focus during uh, pregnancy and birth is on the baby you know what size they are you know uh, the birthing process but actually very little is said about the changes that are happening to the mother you know and what that feels like the mother's emotional experience and we're afraid to talk about it and we need to talk about it more we hear so much about postnatal depression we hear so little about struggling emotionally whether it's anxiety or depression beforehand and not having that awareness is going to make it so much harder for people when they find themselves in that position and they think it's just them or they think there's something really wrong um, there is so many, so many messages um, of people just saying they just didn't feel the support was there. They didn't feel the support was there. Is it a case, do you think, of, of having to look at, look for, go looking for it? Or is it, should it be presented to everyone as a, a normal part of it? And, hey, this is what you can expect, but look out for this, this and this. If you, if you feel like it's too much in this direction, give us a call. Yeah, I think, you know, there just there definitely needs to be more information given to new moms about the sort of um, 
anxiety mood disorders that they can experience during pregnancy I think that there isn't enough information given to new mums and like to be fair I think that the the health systems are really stretched at the moment so even you know I, I don't know about you Caroline but the only I mean I remember at my own kind of 12-week appointment it was sort of a, a checkbox so how are you feeling and you sort of oh, I'm feeling fine you know and, and that's sort of that's sort of it so I think it comes down to more thorough you know, um, assessments being there to really scan for the predetermining risk factors that might lead, you know, somebody down that road of, of needing support during pregnancy, you know, asking really difficult questions, you know, a really trauma informed approach. So even, you know, asking questions like, have you ever experienced any trauma? You know, I mean, I, I work for a national charity providing uh, psychotherapy to survivors of childhood sexual abuse I mean that is a that is a huge and significant trauma and we know that survivors of childhood sexual abuse can be more at risk of developing perinatal mood and anxiety disorders because of the very nature of the trauma that they experienced but you know they're not asked those questions and there's a number of reasons why I don't want to get, get into that but it's to do with you know lack of resources it's lack of knowledge you know that, that almost healthcare providers I, I think you know are afraid to ask those really difficult questions for fear of re-traumatizing you know it's a bit like what you said earlier it's about kind of you know, people want to keep the conversation rosy and positive when it comes to to pregnancy. But actually, what we do then is we really do a disservice to mothers and birthing people because we don't give them the kind of information that's going to help them to understand what's happening. And it is a it is a physiological change in your body, but there is also a huge, you know, um, you know, the brain, the, the changes that the brain goes through during pregnancy and po postpartum, we're still only, you know, tipping the iceberg in terms of what that actually looks like. But we know that just like in adolescence, when the brain is going through a huge transformation, uh, you know, pregnancy and birth is, is the same. So we need to be giving this as much weight as we are to what's happening physically to our bodies during pregnancy and postpartum. And we're just not quite there yet. So I just really think we need to start having those really honest, really difficult discussions um, about this, because actually what it does is it minimizes the fear. It doesn't exasperate it. Oh, Michelle, thank you so much for um, such an interesting conversation. I really think that a lot of what you've said can people can take and, and apply to their lives right away and um, whether that's just working on their awareness or their perception of, of how common this actually can be in the perinatal phase um, and crucially you know what you can do about it that they're normalizing it and, and expecting it as maybe part of it but actually seeking out help is very much what you recommend if someone feels that it's um, getting in the way of their life um, it's a really important conversation and there's not enough of them being had and so I thank you for your for your wisdom and your expertise thank you for joining me thanks so much Caroline Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. 
so you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The easiest way to access Owning It Real Time is to head to the link in the episode description or episode details, whatever you call them, show notes. You will find the link. In there at the top, you can sign up right away for Owning It Real Time and access the full library of 10 situation-specific audio guides that will help you own your anxiety even more than you've ever done before.